We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Music City Audible Podcast. This is our 100th episode. Congrats, Justin. We made it. I'm Justin Graver, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Alongside me, as always, Justin Mello. How you feeling today? 100 episodes. I am overwhelmed with gratitude, right? It's, it's pretty awesome that you and I have reached this here, 100 episodes uh, the dedication, not shown by you and I, but more importantly, the dedication of our listeners, right? There, there's a reason we've gotten to 100 episodes. The show continues to grow uh, at, at a pace that really makes Justin and I very proud to do this show together. 100 episodes is pretty damn cool, if you ask me. So true. We, we had our highest episode uh, listen count ever um, last week or two weeks ago, I guess. And so that was cool to see. And Continuing to grow, thanks to you guys for sticking with us for 100 episodes. On this one, number 100, we are going to answer this question. Are the 2022 Titans better than the 2021 Titans as we sit here analyzing the team in May? We're going to compare it to the Titans from May of last year, not the Titans of September last year, certainly not the Titans of mid-season last year when they had a bunch of practice squad players on the field, and not even the Titans that played in the playoff game, but the May edition because as we saw last offseason, things can happen over the summer. Players can be added to the team that completely changed the outlook I don't know if we're expecting a Julio Jones-type acquisition this year, per se. I would say we're definitely not, but I wouldn't rule out a signing that impacts the team in a major way coming down sometime June, July, or even August. But as we sit here in May, let's dive into this. We're also going to talk position battles to watch as Titans OTAs open on May 23rd, Monday, the, this comes out May 24th, Tuesday, so the media is back at OTAs. There's going to be tons of videos and stuff coming down the pike as you listen to this podcast even. So let's get into it here, talking about the 2022 Titans, starting with some of the biggest changes. The number one change is quite obvious. Do I even need to say it out loud? AJ, AJ Brown, Brown is gone. Is <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so the Titans will be trying to replace their number one star receiver MVP of the offense with a rookie who had to leave his first day of rookie minicamp with some breathing issues. What do we make of the Titans receiving core heading into the May 2022 OTAs uh, compared to last year's group? It's interesting because a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's so much worse now, but they got Julio Jones in June. So last May, I think we were all doing a similar thing where we were saying, oh my God, they need more receivers, right? And where they ended up going to get Julio Jones, you know, people were concerned about it last year. You're concerned about it this year. Although I do agree with you that I don't, I don't think there's a move, uh, you know, that large coming down the pike here. It's worth mentioning, remember, they designated Julio Jones as a post-June 1st cut, right? right. So they're going to be getting some money 
uh, to work with here. Quite a bit of money, right? I think close to $10 million, uh, in cap space. You know, some of that is going to have to go to the rookie class, yada, yada. So they might be able to figure out a move uh, if they want to make one. But I, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to do anything drastic here, uh, especially at receiver. There are guys available, right? Cole Beasley still out there. Odell Beckham Jr. still out there. Jarvis Landry is no longer out there. Of course, he signed with the New Orleans Saints a few weeks ago. But uh, I don't think they're going to be doing anything of significance. I just want to make the note that when you're comparing uh, May 2021 to May 2022, um, it's probably relatively similar. Right. AJ Brown receiver. I mean, yeah, I think the Titans uh, 2021 group was more top heavy with a lot of question marks on the back end. This year's group, you have Robert Woods as an established threat. I think AJ Brown is a better player and more of a go-to guy than Woods. Who's like probably one of the better number twos, but not necessarily in that upper tier that we are projecting AJ Brown to reach. To be fair, AJ Brown has been that in games, but he hasn't been that consistently over long stretches of games. We're projecting him to get there, and I think he will be a great receiver for the Eagles and somebody the Titans miss, but not somebody that's completely irreplaceable. Do I expect a rookie and Traylon Burks to replace A.J. Brown? No. I think Traylon Burks plus Robert Woods, though, could give you more or less what A.J. Brown gave you, and maybe more because there's two guys that the defense has to cover as opposed to being able to double one and take him away. And you got nothing from Julio Jones last year, right? I think right. that's one. I, I think that's the point that's worth mentioning the most. Because while I agree, uh, you know, Norwoods or Burks are going to single-handedly outperform AJ Brown. I think it's very likely that as a duo, you get more out of them than you got out of AJ Brown and Julio Jones in 2021. Right. And we were sitting here this time last year saying Nick Westbrook Aquina could be just fine as a number two receiver. Josh Reynolds could be just Josh fine yeah. as a number two receiver. And we even said that on this podcast that Josh Reynolds was a great fit in the offense. And we were excited. Hey, hey, that hey, they I'm not going to get into that right now, too much into it right now. I shouldn't say I am because I'm going to, but uh, they bought, they still bottled the Josh Reynolds thing, in my opinion, because Reynolds looks pretty decent down the stretch in Detroit. So uh, with all the injuries they had at receiver last year, I don't think it's crazy of me to say they probably could have gotten more out of Josh Reynolds than they did. Reynolds yeah, went to Detroit, caught a couple touchdowns at the end of the year, strung together like three, four, you know, 70 plus receiving yard games. So uh, I still think they probably could have got more out of Reynolds. That was pretty a pretty strange way that that all broke down. But we, we have a stronger idea of what Nick Westbrook can bring the Titans now this year. He's not someone that you're going to go to on a, a game on the line type of basis, although it wouldn't shock me if the season <laughs> sure? ended. It wouldn't did. shock me if the season ended with Ryan Tannehill targeting him for an interception. But um, yeah you're he's a guy you don't want to be in that role but he's a great blocking receiver which you know the titans love and titans fans are tired of hearing he's a guy that's going to at least be dependable solid good hands makes makes those catches in traffic um doesn't necessarily give you a dynamic threat but he's a solid guy to be your number three receiver or number four receiver if the rookie kyle phillips can step in and make an impact right away in the slot what I will say about Nick Westbrook is if you get essentially the same production out of him that you got last year, which is about 40 receptions, 500 receiving yards and five, you know, four or five touchdowns. If you get that from him and, you know, Traylon Burks and Robert Woods are healthy and productive, uh, then I think you're really, really happy with what you got out of your top three receivers. Right. I think most people would look at the Titans receiving core right now and say, this group is not quite as good as the group they had last year, even before the Julio trade. However, when you group the tight ends into it, 
I think the pass catchers in general, all the pass catchers, knowing what we know now about Dontrell Hilliard as a running back out of the backfield, who I don't even, he wasn't even on the roster in May last year. Knowing what we know now, the group of pass catchers with Austin Hooper added to the tight end mix, with Chig Aquanco added as a rookie to the tight end mix, you subtract Anthony Ferkser, you subtract Michael Pruitt. As fans, as analysts, people were pretty high on Anthony Ferkser taking the next step. He's going to have more opportunities. He's going to have a bigger role now that John Smith's gone. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't step into that role. He didn't produce last year. Replacing him with Austin Hooper added to that group of pass catchers, I think, makes this year's group more diverse and way more formidable as a, as an entire group, including Hilliard out of the backfield, than what they had this time last year by a lot, by a lot, even without AJ Brown. Biggest, the biggest thing for me, uh, I don't, I don't fully agree with you. The biggest thing for me is health, right? I, I, I'm projecting that if these guys are healthier than the group was last year, and they should be, right? Because it, it's tough to replicate that disaster, right? With Julio essentially being a non-factor the entire season and, and, and AJ Brown missing several games. If they're healthier, um, then I think you do have a chance to be better or to be more formidable, as you mentioned. One thing on Austin Hooper, I think fans are forgetting. This guy's throwing together back-to-back 70 reception uh, seasons, right? 71 catches for Atlanta 2018, 75 for Atlanta in 2019. That's not that long ago. Look, he goes to Cleveland. That was a mistake, right? Unfortunately, you know, he, he again, he, he got a lucrative contract. That's why he went there, right? He cashed in on free agency, but it ends up being a run-first offense with multiple tight ends, David Njoku there. Uh, not a good situation for him from a production standpoint. Hopefully it was good for his pockets. Uh, I imagine it was, uh, but not good from a production standpoint. This is a guy that can come in. It wouldn't shock me if he can catch, you know, I, I think the, the goal should be like, you know, 55 receptions for Austin Hooper this season. I, I, I think 70, 75, probably a little too high. I don't know that he'll reach, you know, those heights that he previously did in Atlanta, but certainly, you know, he had, 38 catches in Cleveland last year. I think he's a guy that probably gives you 55 catches this year. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Atlanta obviously threw the ball a lot more than the Titans do now in those seasons, but something that he should be able to, I mean, he should be a major contributor and a big weapon in this passing game, up the seam, and maybe even with little screen action type of plays that the Titans love to run to their tight ends. I, I think I think Tannehill likes his tight ends a lot, and I think he really missed, you know, because Ferkser wasn't that guy, missed having that reliable tight end you can go to on even a third and six, right? A guy that's just going to find the soft spot in zone defense, sit at the and, – and, and Ferkser was that at times, right? He was a pretty good three, uh, third down guy, but – Austin Hooper can take that to another level, right? Where they can sit, you know, in that zone coverage, find the line, of, uh, find the chains, the chains, you know, the line to move, line to gain, and, and sit there and, and move the chains for you. So uh, I, I like Austin Hooper. I, I really think, um, for me, he's one of the big X factors here that could help make this group uh, at least, you know, formidable or even surprisingly maybe more productive than it was a year ago. Right. Just the AJ Brown thing stinks. You know, there's there's yeah. no taking that out of it. It's true, and and you hate to lose that kind of player. You just hope you can replicate the production with a group effort from the rest of the squad. Obviously, no real changes at the quarterback position. We touched on it last week. Malik Willis, exciting prospect, great future developmental guy, not going to have a huge impact on the Titans' 2022 season unless it like motivates Ryan Tannehill just to play better. Like That's the only real impact you're going to get from Malik Willis. Um, running backs, Pretty much the same. Obviously, you don't have Deontay Foreman anymore, but he wasn't on the roster in, in May last year. So you're looking at Hassan Haskins stepping into the 
like other bulldozer behind Derrick Henry, someone who can maybe take some of the load off. And then I just mentioned Dontrell Hilliard as a pass catcher, but also an explosive guy out of the backfield. Not that different from last year's backfield. The offensive line, though, has a couple of key spots that are going to be different. And this is where I think you can point to the 2021 May Titans as being far superior to the 2022 May Titans in that we're sitting here now, OTAs are starting, and we still don't know who the starter is at left guard or right tackle. Like It's one thing if there's one spot up for grabs. Right now, there's two spots that we have no idea who they even who's even competing for it because we don't know what Dylan Radins is we don't know what Jamarco <laughs> Jones is like we don't know which side they see Petit Frere playing on like we don't know hardly anything about these open spots well, on the offensive line one thing I will say in comparison to last season is I don't think we really knew who the starting right tackle was uh, certainly not in May so that's a fair point to kind of offset hey guys we didn't know last year. We don't know this year, right? That says something about the improvement, right? Or the, the arrow pointing up. But um, th- this is something I'm really going to be watching closely at OTAs to kind of bridge our conversation into that. Uh, again, it's not training camp yet, but OTAs are very important. Um, I'm hoping we get reports on where guys are working. Where is right. DeMarco Jones working? Where is Dylan Radins working? Petit Friere, is he running with the second team at left tackle, the third team at left tackle, the second team at right tackle, the first, I think first team's very unlikely, but these are all possibilities. I'm really excited to learn and hopefully we get some of this information from OTAs. Yeah, but I don't think anyone would argue that uh, subtracting Roger Saffold from this group, as much as he dealt with injuries and, and played through them mostly, far, far better than any player on the Titans offensive line. I mean, he was maybe their best offensive lineman last year next to Ben Jones, Taylor Lewan coming back from that ACL. You think that Taylor Lewan coming back from the ACL another year removed makes him better than the 2021 version of yes. Lewan? Yes, um, yes. But he's also a year older. And, about yeah. At some point, because I think Taylor Lewan, I won't get too much into it, but I think he's going to surprise his fan base and have a really good 2022 season. Yeah, I think he could. And, and, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it might hurt him, but it doesn't hurt his motivational standpoint that next year, looking at 2023, he has no more guaranteed money on his deal and could be cut for zero dead cap and huge savings. And you better know he knows that and will be motivated to. And earn you've his drafted contract. two tackles, right? In the last two drafts in the mid rounds, right? With, with Raiden and Petit Friere. So they're potentially getting, you know, ready to move on from him if, if, if they want to. So a lot of motivation for the in 2022, as we all know, motivation is a hell of a drug for athletes, right? I take you back to Albert Hainsworth, right? And, yeah. and cashing in on a seven year, hundred million dollar deal after a, a big contract year. So it's not a contract year, but in a way it is, right? It's so important to the future of Taylor Lewan uh, in Tennessee that he has to have a good 2022 year. Flipping to the other side of the ball. This is where I think we're going to see improvement. Like, yes. I think it's market improvement. Yes. And it's not just because of the moves that they've made. It's what we now know. Right, right. Sitting here in 2021, obviously, we were like, Shane Bowen, why has he been promoted to defensive coordinator? The Titans defense was awful, historically bad on third downs. It just bad across the board, couldn't get sacks, couldn't get pressure. Now we know that the Tennessee Tickle Monsters exist. We know that Jeffrey Simmons is a monster, and not just a Tickle Monster, but an actual monster. And, uh, I mean, multiple three-sack games last year. If Jeffrey Simmons takes another step forward, Bud Dupree, another year removed from his ACL injury, Harold Landry, not in a contract year, but back as, like, a team leader on that defense. 
you have a linebacking core that is established with two guys that you know play well together that don't make the mental errors that Rashawn Evans make, that don't necessarily have the injury issues or the the sometime miscues that Jayon Brown had in pass coverage. The cornerbacks, you subtract Jackrabbit Jenkins, but you're hoping Caleb Farley takes another step. All the reports out of what we've heard so far this offseason are that he's light years ahead of where he was last year. You add Roger McCreary, you bring back Buster Screen. You have a secondary that you feel really confident about with Kevin Byard and Amani Hooker leading the back end. I, I see very few weaknesses on this defense. If there's any weakness, it may be the linebackers' coverage abilities. We'll see what, what they're able to do there. But they should have enough personnel and enough juice in the front seven to offset maybe some of the, those weaker areas and just... I'm really excited to see this defense pick up where it left off in that playoff game. They had nine sacks in January. They know the loss wasn't on them. They're probably rearing to get back on the field and see what they can do as a unit this year. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly go down the line, if you don't mind, uh, the whole back end of the defense. Uh, sorry, and the defensive line as well. And talk about the sort of expectations from last year to this year. On the D-line now, because I've got so many thoughts in my head, on the D-line, you know Jeffrey Simmons has taken that desired step forward, right? At, at last year, it was, we, you know, he can. We hope he does. Well, now he's done it, so you feel great about that. You know Harold Landry can be a double-digit sack guy, and he's coming back. Uh, you feel good about Bud Dupree being a full year removed from the ACL and probably contributing more. And underrated aspects here, what did you know about T.R. Tart and Naquan Jones this time last year? Very little. I, Tart flashed a little towards the end of the year, but really put it together in 2020, uh, you know, in 2021, you feel great about him. You feel really good about Naquan Jones and what he showed as a Naquan Jones in this time, 2021, Naquan Jones was a joke that his name sounded like Daquan Jones. That's all we knew about him. (laughs) Sure. So you feel really good about the depth now that you have. I know a lot of Danny too, right? As a backup guy, you're excited about having Rashad Weaver. I'll get get into the linebackers. I won't spend time there because you said it. You like what you have with David Long and and Zach Cunningham. You feel good, I think, about Monty Rice as your third stringer. Uh, in, In the secondary, how about Kevin Byard? Another underrated aspect of this conversation he was not very good in 2020, right? So you kind of went into May 2021 worried about Kevin Byard. He bounced back with a terrific year in 2021. You're no longer worried about him. You were thinking about Amani Hooker being a first-year starter, right? Now you saw that he was terrific as that first-year starter. So there are so many things to feel really good about this defense heading into September. Uh, sorry, you know, right now, May 2022, as opposed to May 2021. You didn't know what you had in Elijah Molden. Now you know you got a good nickel corner, right? So Christian uh, Fulton. You didn't. You had no idea what you had in Christian Fulton, essentially, right? He takes the giant year two leap and becomes a, a lockdown starting boundary corner. So I, I can go on and on, right? Right down the line, all these concerns and questions you had about the defense in May 2021, you feel really good about in May 2020. And how many players did I just highlight, right? The TR Tarts, the Naquan Jones, the Christian Fultons, the Imani Hookers, Kevin Byard having a bounce back year. Jeff Simmons taking that desired step forward. Harold Landry turning into a double-digit sack guy. Ola Adaini being a, a worthy rotational rusher. You're getting Rashad Weaver back. Like, this is like, 
it's a night and day difference. Have you mentioned May 2021? Yeah. Have you mentioned Danico Autry? I did not. No, like it's there's so again there's that that one slips my mind and I'm not shocked because there's just so been so many positive developments right over that time frame. I agree. I think the only real you know I I do have a question about uh, covering tight ends, linebackers, and coverage. Uh, but the main question is at cornerback two, right? CD two opposite um, uh, Fulton. But you have to hope that between Farley screen even i mean hell chris jackson and obviously roger mccreary they're gonna find some really good cornerback play there yeah i i feel confident about it too i mean i look at the defensive starters the 11 guys we expect to start and i don't know how tier tart and naquan jones fit into that you could expand it to 13 guys that you expect to play a lot in the heavy rotation who's the weak link you know last year we knew that rashawn evans was a weak link we were iffy on a lot of these cornerbacks we did or we just didn't know about the starters like hooker like you mentioned this year i look at the defense and i say every single one of these guys would be a starter on just about any team in the nfl now yeah, that it's, it's, it's the is, corner right it's the corner too that's the only yeah, real it's the only one but even that you would say you know caleb farley would be competing in training camp on any team right now to be a starter they are, they all have starter potential. It's nobody that's like being miscast as a starter yes. because they have to be or someone that didn't live up to a first round draft pick. You know, I think this defense could be, should be, the expectation should be top five defense in the NFL with a chance and, to be the best in the whole league. And hopefully, and hopefully, you just hope that the offense can go through the same experience. In May of 2023, and saying, remember how worried we were about the offense and then we were wrong. So we'll, we'll and it's possible, right? Like this offseason, they've gone through a, a bit of a makeover, right? Offensively, just like they did the year before defensively. And that worked out well. You're looking at guys like Dylan Raiders, Jamarco Jones, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Austin Hooper. Like there have been a lot of changes offensively, right? So uh, very similar to how uh, John Robinson overhauled defense the year before. And just a simple Ryan Tannehill regression to his Titans mean and and better turnover luck and on both sides of the ball for Tannehill and for the defense getting more tips that turn into interceptions, things like that. You could see a, a scenario where this team is really good again in 2022. At the same time, you never know who's going to get hurt. You never know what's going to happen that you just don't expect. You never know if Traylon Burks is going to be a complete bust and then the offensive passing game is stalls like Ryan Tannehill just over the hill or who knows what could happen on the negative side. But I think there are many, many reasons to be optimistic that the 2022 Titans can keep pace with the 2021 Titans or be better than what they were last year. And that's a 12-win team that got the number one seed in the AFC last year. So I, I'm hopeful that this team can continue to be good because there's an X factor we haven't talked about at all, which is that Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach. Coach of the year last year. He coaches good teams. John Robinson never had a losing season as the Titans general manager. I mean... These are things that, that we don't talk about as much because they're off the field or on the sideline. You don't see it as much, but they, those have huge impacts too. Just the continuity and the consistency that you know those guys bring from the front office perspective, from the coaching perspective that give you confidence in this team. Uh, before we wrap this episode up, did you want to get into some position battles to look for as OTAs unfold over the next few weeks? Just a couple of things I'll be watching for. We don't have to dive too deep into it, but uh, it's always exciting to me when you get the rookies and the veterans together for the first time, right? So when I, I certainly everyone should be looking at quarterback um, and it's not, again, call me, you know, I don't mean to rain on the parade, but it's not about Malik Willis versus Ryan Tannehill. How does Malik Willis look versus Logan Woodside? 
right? That's right. something to me. Obviously, they have got more, you know, faith in Willis becoming their long-term quarterback of the future. But that's really important to me as a measuring stick because does Malik Willis perform well enough when you're getting a look at both him and Logan Woodside where you can even trust him as your quarterback too? Because they have a lot of faith in Logan Woodside as that player, right? As someone who knows the playbook inside out, there's a reason he's been there for several years. That's really interesting to me. Uh, I, I look at tight end, right? Austin Hooper, Chigo Quanco. Uh, how does this play out? Jeff Swain, right? Jeff Swain versus the rookie out of Maryland, right? How does that sort of play out? Swain's a veteran that's been here a long time. Obviously, the offensive line to me is the most important one to watch. Left guard, yeah. right tackle, who even works there, right? Like that's the most important. You don't even go, what's that? You don't, she doesn't even go here, right? Like who is that left guard? Who is that right tackle? Those are the most important aspects uh, to focus on. Defensive line depth. We know Jeffrey Simmons, Dina Kowatri, these guys are going to be there. Ola Daney, TR Tart, Naquan Jones. Is Laurel Murchison? How does he look versus some of these UDFAs? They've got several, right? Jalen Peavy out of Texas A&M. Uh, the kid from uh, the kid from Maryland, right? Uh, th that, that's another guy that's really interesting to me. How do they look in comparison to Laurel Murchison? Heck, go down corner. Who's the first guy to work at corner two? Is Caleb Farley uh, healthy enough? Does he stay on the field, right? Who gets that work? There's so many things. The kicker yeah. battle. Caleb Shudik, UDFA out of Iowa, looked really good at rookie minicamp, right? And he had a good season at Iowa this past year. So that's a guy I'm really intrigued uh, yeah. to watch, right? He's a small guy, right? As Emily Proud noted at, at practice, five foot seven, right? He made a 55-yarder at rookie minicamp. He's got a big leg, a big leg, right? So that's that's really exciting to me. Yeah, that's not low low pressure stakes for Sudak there either. I mean, it's just rookie minicamp. It's nothing, but it's also like your chance to prove that you belong you're in the NFL. UDFA. Yeah, you're a UDFA at rookie minicamp. They didn't draft you. You've got to be good at you. You got to be good at rookie minicamp. So those those are some of the things that I'll be following along with. I, I don't know that I missed anything. Obviously, receiver, right? Like, did you want yeah, to talk I was about say, receiver? I'm I'm interested to see how far along Robert Woods is from his ACL recovery. Is oh, he even on the field? Is he going to be working off to the side? Is he going to be participating in team drills? Where does he fit in right now with his ACL recovery? He posted a hype video to his Instagram last over a week ago now that was like very looked like he was running and cutting and moving good. That makes me think he could be on the field during these OTAs. And, and, and this um, might be crazy to say, but uh, back end of receiver, there are only four guys I feel very comfortable are going to make this roster. Right, that's Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook, and and probably Kyle Phillips. I, I think. Right? Uh, how does that shake out? Do they carry five, six, or seven? You're looking at Des Fitzpatrick has a chance to to uh, redeem himself. Right? Racy McMath, who again I think you know made the roster last year as a what a day three rookie, sixth rounder I think he was, or maybe he was a seven, but you don't get as much leeway as a sophomore, right? Like yeah, sixth round rookie, yeah, he's gonna make the team. That kind of goes away as a second-year player, right? You got to show that growth. He and Reggie Roberson, the UDFA receiver out of SMU, are similarly profile guys. Bigger, field stretcher, special teams ace type of guys. Good with the ball in their hands. Yes, I think that could be a battle to watch there. Will yeah. McMath take this the, the sophomore step? Or will he be outplayed by a UDFA? Those are interesting battles. You got Cody Hollister. I mean, laugh all you want. The guy's been here forever for a reason, right? <laughs> like if none of these guys impress, Cody Hollister might make the roster as your fifth receiver, right? Like if, if these guys bomb. Josh Malone is there. Mason Kinsey. 
is still there, right? Getting rave reviews for his work ethic, participated in rookie minicamp. Uh, so there's a lot of questions at the back end of receiver here. Remember, Chester Rogers isn't here. Cameron Batson isn't here. There's a lot of work up for grabs there. And again, special teams is going to help determine that. Uh, but that's really interesting. Hell, I look at the offensive line, not to go back to it, but something I didn't mention. Every team, this team's going to carry at least eight offensive line minimum. They might carry nine. Eight is, you know, a bare minimum. I, you, you Count with me. You've only got seven right now that are guaranteed roster spots. You've got Taylor Lewan at left tackle. You, let's say uh, Jamarco Jones and Aaron Brewer, let's say, at left guard. That's three. Ben Jones, four. Nate Davis, five. Dylan Radins and Nicholas petit Friere seven. Well, who's your eighth? Right? You've got a couple backup tackles that have, that have been here uh, last year on the practice squad. Christian Delaro and Duran Bway, they're still on their roster. I believe Daniel Munyard and Jordan Roos, you know, they were part of offseason activities practice squad last year. They're still on the roster. you got a couple of UDFA uh, tackles, Jalen McKenzie and Andrew Rupsich, small school Andrew Rupsich out of Culver Stockton. They're on the roster. They were there at rookie minicamp. You've got two interior UDFAs and in, in, uh, Hayden Howerton and Xavier Newman Johnson who play three positions, right? They both, they both played left guard, right guard, and center. Do they go with a tackle? Do they go with a guard uh, for that eighth and potentially final roster spot? It's hard for me to say, right? Because we don't know, right? Jamarco Jones can play both positions. Dylan Radins can play both positions. You can't say with certainty that extra spot has to be a tackle or you know how the rest of this shakes out. What does that do? That opens the possibilities for any of these guys, for a Christian Delaro, a Rupsich, a McKenzie, the interior guys, a, a Newman Johnson, Howerton, Derwin Gray, Derwin Gray, excuse me, Jordan Rue. So uh, you're getting that money I talked about. Maybe you go sign a veteran. Eric Flowers is still out there. He's a guy that's really intriguing to me, who I think can come in and maybe earn that starting job at left guard. Yeah. Right, so a lot to watch here on the offensive line. Bold prediction. The eighth O line you're talking about is not currently on the roster. Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't yeah. shock me at all. Right. I think but that's happening. These are some of the things to watch for uh, as OTAs get underway. And I, I for one, am super excited to follow along. But for me, we're not going to learn a ton, I think, about the O-line and who's good and who's bad, just because again, there's not a lot of contact in these practices until we get to training camp. I just want to know who, like you mentioned earlier, who's working where? I think we're going to get a ton of info about not who's winning the battles, but who the battles are between. That's all I want to know right now, and I'm excited to get that information. So um, I think that that just about does it. The 2022 Titans will be better, worse, or the same than 2021. Go. From a record perspective? Just from being better. They're subjective, not going to win as many games. I'll your say sub, that, your subjective view of what better means... They won't win 12 games. <laughs> okay. They could. I'm going to say they win 10 or 11, which yeah, is still they, good. Like, I'm not saying they're going to take a huge step backward. I think they win 10, 11 games, but I don't think they win 12. Do they win the division? I I say yes. I'm less confident, though, than I was a year ago. I think I, the Colts will be right around the same win total. So it's going to come down to a couple of bounces. I think those games against the Colts, the what we talked about last week being so early in the year, actually makes them more must wins because well you have like i guess you have room to to gain games back throughout the back half of the schedule like if you can win both those games early on it just sets yourself up to like what they say control oh, yeah. your own destiny throughout Absolutely. the rest of the year it's hard, it's hard to catch you from there yeah all right well that'll do it for this episode of the music city audible podcast we'll be back next week to continue talking about otas and all the news coming out of what we're learning about these battles everything we just talked about we'll have so much more news to talk about in a week and so much more information about where this roster stands 
So we'll be back to do that next week. Until then, you guys know where to find us. Justin Mello on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. You guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.